So this morning, as we are uh, working through our series on Seek First, uh, just a couple of, of things. I'm, I'm going to kind of change gears a little bit of what I was planning to do today, because this has been a message that has just uh, been on my heart. And so I felt like it was with the with seniors. Uh, it was just a good kind of way to tie these two things uh, together. So we're going to be in John chapter three. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Uh, but as you're turning there, uh, just I was thinking this week about a, a story. Um, when I was in seminary, uh, we, the youth group I worked for, we had a mission trip uh, that was to Saltillo, Mexico. And it was part of what they do with the teen trips. Uh, it's called Mission Encounter. And so we, our youth group was rather large. And so we took, you know, probably 50 or 60 uh, kids down there. But then we had about four or 500 kids that were in Saltillo, or teenagers, uh, that week. And so one of the big issues they had that week was, feeding, was figuring out how to feed the group breakfast. And so when they lunch, dinner, they were going to be in different places, but breakfast, they wanted everybody together. And so they found a place for them to have breakfast. Uh, the only building really large enough to handle that big of a group was uh, in an old nightclub. And so it was this old nightclub in Saltillo, Mexico. They hired some people to feed them uh, breakfast. And I will tell you that it was the worst breakfast I have ever had in my life. Five days of the worst breakfast. I love cantaloupe, but I don't know if y'all know this, cantaloupe juice, not good. Not good at all. Uh, cantaloupe, great. Cantaloupe juice, if you ever get offered, just pass. It's not good. Uh, so it was the last day. It was Friday. It was the very last day. Our bus is, pulls up and we're, we're driving down the road. We're pulling into this old nightclub uh, and our kids start unloading. And so one of the ladies said to me, she said, you know what's across the street? And I said, what? And she said, there's a, there's a Marriott across the street. And I was like, oh. And so the kids are unloading, and I walked over to the youth pastor, since I was just the intern. I walked over to the youth pastor, and I said, what are your thoughts on me taking the adults and us going have breakfast at the Marriott? And he said, uh, I think that's a wonderful idea, because his wife was one of those disgruntled people. He said, I think that's a wonderful idea. And I said, do you want anything? And he said, no, I'm going to have cantaloupe juice. And so I took them. And so it was my friend Theron, uh, his wife, Katie, the youth pastor's wife, Katie, uh, another lady named Donna, and another lady named Julie. So we, we went over there. We go into this very nice Marriott hotel. They had, a, they had breakfast, and so we walk in, and the girls were all in front of us. So they order, uh, you know, pancakes and eggs and bacon, like normal breakfast food. And so Theron is in front of me and we walk up and there's this bar, like a, a hot bar there that the guy is serving from. And it had all this stuff and I have no idea what any of it was. And we walk up and Theron looks at the, the man and says, are you the chef? And he said, yes. And Theron said, I want for breakfast, whatever you ate for breakfast. And the man's eyes got real big. And Theron said, can you do that? And he said, yeah. So then he, he, looked at, he looks over at me and he's like, what do you want? And I said, I want what he's having. And so the guy got this, this look on his face that was kind of three parts, like one part uh, mischievous, uh, one part excited, and the other part of, I don't know if y'all know what you just asked for kind of look. And so he went back there and he brought us out these two just huge heaping plates of food. I have no idea what we ate for breakfast, but it was phenomenal. Absolutely. And it was nothing of what they had on the bar. I mean, he just, he went in the back, cooked us something. I don't even know what I paid for it because it was in pesos. And so it was, but it was absolutely incredible. But I can remember that, that kind of moment when he walks back there and I'm just like, 
oh my goodness, what have we done? Like what in the, I have no idea. Like I thought he was going to pick something from the bar. What are you going to bring us? And, and sometimes when we put kind of our life or we put some of our trust, and in Mexico you're putting your life in someone's hands, when you, when you put your life in someone's hands or you put your hope or your trust, there, there's a lot of kind of uncertainty that happens. And so this morning we're going to look at a passage, and it's a passage that, that we know well, or most of us know well, out of John chapter 3, where uh, we come upon a man named Nicodemus who is doing that, doing exactly that, saying to Jesus, I'm, I'm putting my trust and my faith in your hands. And so we, we pick up the, the verse, chapter 1, says, there was a man from the Pharisees uh, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi... We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can this be? Or how can anyone be born who is old? Nicodemus asked him. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you, you must be born again. For the wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Verse nine, where we'll end. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. So I know we have been going through uh, this series on Seek First. We've been talking about different things that we should be seeking. And so I know for some of you, if you've been with us, you're kind of thinking, how did we end up in John? How did we end up in this passage? And the way we ended up there really comes back from a passage that I used earlier in the series from Colossians. And Colossians chapter 3 uh, we see this passage and we, we used it a few weeks ago, Colossians chapter three, verse one. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And verse three, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This word, how did, we're in John 3, Colossians 3, kind of how do, how do these two things tie together? Well, the reason these two verses tie together is really a, a translation issue. When this, uh, when the Bible was first translated into English, most of us know it was translated really the first time into King James. And the translators, I, I wasn't there because I wasn't alive in 1611. Uh, so I don't know all their thought process. But in verse 3, there's a word that they struggled with. So John chapter 3, verse 3 says, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again. This, this word born again is the word anatheon or anatheon in Greek, and it is translated above. So if anyone, unless someone is born from above. Now, some of you are like, okay, there's a big jump from again and above. 
Now, I think what probably happened, again, I wasn't there, but I think what probably happened was they struggled with how to translate this, and so they began looking at the broader context. In the broader context, we have this conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus, and Jesus and Nicodemus, Nicodemus is asking these questions that we just read. Well, how can someone enter his mother's womb a second time? And so they thought, well, you know, really context-wise, it makes more sense to translate this again. So they went with again. But the word really and actually means from above. Now, why is that important? And well, let me ask, or let me answer another question first. Which one is it? Is it again or is it above? And I've talked about this before. The answer that I give, it's both, because they both work. But sometimes when we just focus on the again piece, I think we miss the from above piece. And so Paul comes to us and Paul says, seek things where? Above. What you should be seeking are the things above. And then Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless you've been born from above. We keep coming back to above. Now we can also see as we kind of do a little bit of uh, digging, it won't take too much, but if we kind of walk through some of this, we can see in John uh, chapter 8, you can flip over to John chapter 8, Jesus makes this statement in verse 23. Jesus is talking uh, to his disciples. This is one of his predictions uh, of him of him leaving uh, in John. Verse 23, he just Jesus says to them, for you are from below, he told them, I am from where? Above. I am from above. You're from below, I am from above. And so we can kind of keep kind of playing with this. Um, we go back, let's go back to John chapter three. So John chapter three, verses five uh, through eight. Let's, let's kind of look at how Jesus answers this. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now remember, what, was, what happened in verse three? Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, born from above, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now Jesus tells us one verse later, Truly I tell you, if someone is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born from above. Again, it's the same, back to Anathan, same word. That you must be born from above or again. Verse eight, the wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound. You don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So is there a difference? Does it really translate into something for us as Christians in 2021 today to translate these words two different ways? In my argument this morning, what I want you to hear is, is I think it adds a different layer to us as the people of God. Because sometimes for us, when to be born again, we think of that of this one-time event that happens in our lives, we are born again. It happened, bam, it's done, over. But Jesus says to Nicodemus, be born from above. See, Paul in Colossians, Paul kind of works this whole thing through. Uh, look at this other verse in Colossians. This is, this is what Paul is saying to us. Colossians chapter one. Hear how Paul says this. Uh, verse 13, Paul says, he rescued us. Who rescued us? Jesus, all right? Y'all are allowed at Sunday school. Who rescued us? Jesus. 
Jesus. All else fails, answer Jesus. Thank you. All right. So he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into what? The kingdom of the son he loves. In him, we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. We have been transferred from this world, from this life. Jesus says to us in John chapter eight, you're of this world. I'm from above. But if you want to know what it is to live as a Christian, you are born not of this world. You are born from above. What it means to be a Christian is to be born from above. And so Paul says to us, set your minds, seek the things that are above. Now, what I love about this passage in Colossians, and I don't have it up all, all up there on the screen, but you can go through. And what I love about this, Paul says these things for you. Uh, he has rescued us from the domain of darkness, transfer us into the kingdom of the sun. We have redemption, we have forgiveness. And then Paul does what Paul loves to do, which Paul breaks out in song. And Paul breaks out in song. And then he says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth and visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him for he is before all things and by him, all things are held together. He is the head, the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead so that he might come to have the first place in everything. Verse 19, for God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And Paul breaks into this beautiful song and says to us, guys, when we are transferred from this kingdom into God's kingdom, life is forever different. We are now born from above. Don't set your minds on the things of this earth. Set your minds on the things of heaven because God is enthroned over all of heaven. And it changes the way we see everything. Now, a few weeks ago, um, y'all might remember, I asked Heather to come up and help me. I won't do that today. But I'm going to ask Jake and Jackson. Uh, where did Jackson go? Oh, he's in children's church. All right, Jake and Orion. Can y'all help me real quick? Will you, Jake, Jake, Jake knows what you're doing. Just follow Jake. He knows. All right. I, it's been one of those mornings, in case y'all didn't know, sound, all those things. And when church started, I was like, I've got something in the foyer that's supposed to be on the platform. So how do I do this and it not be incredibly awkward? This is it. And it's still incredibly awkward. So they're coming. So let me just, let me keep talking while they're doing, because, okay, good. There we go. Jay wanted me to do this during the middle of a song and I didn't. So, all right. Come on, all the way up. I'm glad I got Orion because you're stronger than Jake. That was a joke. All right. Jake thinks he's stronger than me, so I have to like get my jabs in while I can. So, all right. A couple weeks ago, actually, let's back this up. A few weeks ago, I used the example of marriage and I had Heather stand up here. Some of y'all that were here, you might remember that. And the point of, my, of what I was saying was we were talking about the Greek word pistis, faithfulness. And how when we talk about the Christian life, there is a difference between saying 
that if, if Heather was standing here, that I have faith in Heather and I am faithful to Heather. Okay, so when we talk about the Christian life, we say, I have faith in Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. Absolutely. Okay, believe is the verb form of the word what? Faith. I believe in Jesus Christ. I have faith in Jesus Christ. But as a Christian, what we are called to do is not just to have faith in Jesus Christ, but to be faithful to Jesus Christ. And the difference is the same thing as we talk about marriage. So if Heather was up here and I said, I have faith in Heather to be a good wife, to be a good mother, that's different than I am faithful to Heather. And as Christians, I believe that we are called not just to have faith in Jesus Christ, but we are called to be faithful to Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I had to take it from the pavilion yesterday, so it's a little weathered, but I wanted to bring this up, okay, in case you don't know what I'm saying. There is a difference between me saying I have faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to use the cross, y'all with me on my example? All right that I have faith in Jesus Christ and that I am faithful to Jesus Christ. But the other thing that we didn't talk about a few weeks ago is not only am I faithful to Heather, the relationship that Heather and I have in marriage, that relationship also places some requirements on me. It places a hold on my life. There are some things that are expected of me in that relationship. Uh, my old pastor, Scott, he used to always tell this story whenever he talked about these kinds of things, uh, and he would not care if I told this story, but he would tell you his first year of marriage was one of the worst years of his life. He was a youth pastor in Houston. His wife, Katie, had just graduated from SNU. Uh, Scott had been in Houston for a while. They, uh, she kind of got all her stuff into Houston, but hadn't moved in till after they got married. So they get back from their honeymoon. They move all of Katie's stuff in. Then the first night, they're married, they're home. Katie said, what do you want to do tonight? And Scott's like, um, I have a double header in softball tonight. And Scott left, came back four hours later. And the next night, she said, what are we going to do tonight? And he's like, actually, I got another softball game. This went on for about a week until Katie set him down and said, I don't know what you think marriage is, but it's not softball. There are some requirements placed on you. And Scott said until he realized that he was supposed to live differently as a married person when it came to just what he was doing in life, he knew the other things, that until that, it didn't, didn't affect him, it didn't change his relationship. And sometimes as Christians, we think, well, I can have faith in Jesus Christ, but this relationship doesn't actually hold anything on me. There aren't requirements in this relationship. There are absolutely requirements in this relationship. This relationship has the opportunity and has the ability to shape everything about our lives. Being born from above says to us that this relationship is the preeminent relationship of my life. It, everything changes. And Paul says to us, do you want to know what you need to be seeking in life? It's not a better job. It's not more money. It's not a better car. It's not a losing weight, not any of those things. What you need to be seeking in life, there's one thing you need to be seeking in life, this relationship. This is the most important relationship in your life. And what I love about the story of Nicodemus is Jesus says to us, you, you want to know what that looks like? It, it looks like being born again, 
a new life, but being born from above. To be born from above is a new way of life, and it's being transferred into, as Paul says in Colossians, transferred into the kingdom of the Son. It's saying these kingdoms, this is what rules my life now, is this relationship. This is what changes my life. Because if this relationship is changed, if this relationship is good, all of these other relationships completely change too. My marriage changes, my friends change, my life changes, my church changes, my community changes. Everything changes when this relationship is first. There's a difference between having faith in Jesus Christ and saying, I am faithful to Jesus Christ and I have been born from above and I'm going to stand with Paul and say, I'm going to seek the things above. This is what I'm going to seek in my life. So a couple things that I want you to see as we kind of talk about this. Once we have been born from above, our spiritual senses are awakened. Once we are born from above, it it changes the way that we see the world. Our spiritual senses are awakened, and when our spiritual senses are awakened, we begin to see the world differently. This relationship changes the way that our eyes work. This relationship changes the way we see people. This is what we've been talking about this entire series. When we talk about love, when we're loving from the way that God would love, loving, loving kindness, all of those things happen because this relationship has changed. We are seeking things that are above. And so when we do that, we begin to see God's hand in our world. We begin to feel God's presence. Yesterday, I had an opportunity to uh, take somebody home and uh, just somebody that's visited church one time. And I saw him on the side of the street, blue jeans, sweating. And I pulled over and said, hey, do you need a ride? And he's well, yeah, kind of, no, I don't. I'm like, I think you do. It's 93 outside. I think you do need a ride. And so he had, was one of those great moments where he said, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll let you take me to McDonald's. And I was like, I would love to take you to McDonald's. And we, we sat in the car and as I drove him to Fultondale, we had conversation. And in that conversation, God, God was there. In what we talked about, what we shared, in those moments where he had some things about church that he was confused about and I was able to talk to him about it. God's presence was there. And when our spiritual senses are awakened, when we begin to say this is the most important relationship, we are seeking things above, we are born from above, we feel God's presence in those moments. That God is present, that God is there even in the little conversations, even in the little things. We also get the opportunity to join with the psalmist, to join with David, and to taste and see that the Lord is good. For that to be a part of our relationship, to see how God works. When we see God working, when we live in his presence, we see the beauty of what God is doing. And living from above, living in this relationship, gives us that opportunity. Now, how do we do that? And what does it look like or what does it mean to live from above? Um, when we were in San Diego, um, when I came to the church, we had, in, in meeting in the church, we had an AA group, an Alcoholics Anonymous group. 
We had an NA, which is Narcotics Anonymous. We had two SA groups, which were sexual addiction classes. Uh, then I was there for just a little while, and I have somebody call me and ask me, hey, can we go get coffee? And sure, we go to get coffee. I never met this person. And they said, I would like to start a Gamblers Anonymous class. I was wondering if your church would host us. And I'm like, well, we, we, we've kind of got like the royal flesh. Like, let's go for all of them. Like, the more anonymous classes we can have, the better. So we, had a, we ended up with a GA class as well. So we had all of these things going on. Now, all of these, all of these groups, as y'all know, they're 12-step programs. But what you might not know about 12-step programs is all of it is based on some men who got together, who first wanted to figure out how to deal with alcohol addiction, but wanted to do it the way that they felt God would want us to do it. And so it's all based on Christian things, and they've kind of tried to scale some of that back because they know that sometimes if you say this is a Christian program, there are people that don't want to be a part of it, but they use it as an opportunity to be able to share Christ with people. And so, I mean, y'all know, everybody knows about 12-step programs, and they've had a huge impact on addiction in our world. And I tell you that to say that the first three steps of the 12 steps are incredibly powerful steps. And they're incredibly powerful steps because I think for some of us, we struggle with, okay, pastor, you can talk about what it is to be faithful to Christ. You can talk about this relationship, but what does, what does that really look like for me in my day-to-day life? What does that look like for me? And I think these three steps can actually kind of help us figure those things out. So those three steps, some of you have heard these before if you've ever been around uh, around. Uh, anonymous groups. So these are the three steps. The first one is, and this is for, for addiction, so it has addiction in the first one, but admit that you are powerless over the addictive agent. Secondly, to believe there is a power greater than yourself that can restore you. And lastly, to decide to turn your will and life over to God. Okay, look at those three steps. The first one is to admit that you are powerless. To admit that this world, that, that this world doesn't have that hold on you. That you have tried to defeat these things, whether it's an addiction, whether it's living as a Christian, whatever those things are, this world doesn't have that power over you. You are powerless to it. Because when we start at the bottom, then we can start building something. And what we build is is that we believe that there is a power greater than ourselves that can restore us, that can get us out of that situation, that can deliver us from that addiction. If I start at the bottom and say, I can't do this anymore, I don't have power over this, then that gives me the ability to say, God, I can't do it, only you can do it. And the place that we start as the people of God, that we start crying out to God, is the realization that I have to have this relationship. I can't fix myself. You can't fix yourself. What you need in life only comes from this. It's only here. And the last thing is, is that we decide to turn, or if we want to use a church word, repent, We want to turn your will and life over to God. We say, God, I I can't do it. God, God, I can't do it. Now, what does this look like 
for us. For some of you, you're, you might say, you know, pastor, I, I don't wanna say this out loud, but there is addiction issues in my life that I could use this for. And that's incredible. But there's also some of us in life that might say, I might not have an addiction issue, but I do struggle with this relationship sometimes. And in this relationship, it starts to change how we look at life. We start to ask questions of how we live. What does it mean for me to realize that I am powerless in certain situations and that the only place where power comes from is from God and without that, I can't do it. That my life only happens through God. How do we do that? Where do we walk through that? And so I wanna give you kind of a couple tools uh, as we end to kind of end with this. One of those is in your bulletin, we put these little cards. Now this week, it was kind of an interesting thing. I was working on my notes and I was writing some things down and I wrote down the, the language of taste and see that the Lord is good. And I was like, that's such a great statement. And so then that turned me back to Psalm 34. And then this week, as I kept working on the sermon, I kept coming back to Psalm 34. And so part of what I, why I printed this off and why I want to do this is, I think where this starts, where this last piece decide to turn your will and life over to God, where that starts is when we start by saying, I'm going to start looking at my day, not in what I want to get done, not in what I have to get done. I'm going to start looking at my day at what God wants to do. How is God going to use this meeting? How is God going to use this conversation? How is God going to use me in life? And then also kind of the fun part is, is how is God going to use me in the ways that I don't even know that God's going to use me? He gets to surprise me along the way. Those are the best. And I think some of that starts when we begin to say, or begin to start our days with a prayer that just says, how is God going to use me? How does God want to use me? And y'all, those of you that worship with us regularly know this, you've heard it, but I want to say it again. I know when we talk about prayer, there are some of us that are scared to death to pray. And the reason we're scared to pray is that we don't know how to pray. And some of you have heard grandma pray and grandma was really good at it. Or you've heard mom pray or you've heard a preacher pray or you've you've heard other people and you say, I don't know how to pray. The best prayer I have is, Lord, thank you for this food we're about to eat. May the nourishment of our bodies, amen. That's the best prayer I got. If that's you, let me tell you how to pray. You ready? There is a book that will teach you everything you need to know how to pray. I'm not going to sell it to you. Most of you probably have it. If you don't have it, you can get it on your phone. It's free. The book is called Psalms. If you don't know how to pray, Psalms is a unbelievable resource. If you do know how to pray, Psalms is an unbelievable resource. If you are like when you pray, the lights turn off and Jesus shows up, Psalms is an incredible resource. No matter where you find yourself in your life of prayer, Psalms is where you go. You can go to the bookstore and find a hundred books to tell you how to pray. They're all fine and dandy. Psalms is the best.
period. And what I believe is that when we read the Psalms, we begin to learn things about God, learn things about ourselves that we don't see anywhere else. I know for some of us, we struggle, because we all do this, we all struggle in prayer. We all struggle with the statement of, you know, Pastor, when I pray, it's kind of like my prayer goes, like I'm, I'm past just praying for dinner, but my next prayer is pray for this, you know, heal this person, fix this, fix this, heal that, fix this, and I get stuck there. We, we, all, we all do. I'm not going to ask for amens, but we all do. Do you know how to get out of that rut? Go to Psalms. Every time. Psalms will teach us how to pray. Bonhoeffer said, and I stand with him, it is the best prayer book ever written. And I will stand with him on that. So, all that to say, on this card, all I did was, was I looked at Psalm 34. You can do this with any Psalm. I chose Psalm 34 because it's what was in my head all week. And when I looked at it, I thought, I want to break this up into prayers for each day. And then I counted the stanza, and there were six stanzas. So I was like, it's already done. It's a beautiful thing. So all this is is just straight through Psalm 34, and I broke them into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And you say, Pastor, what about Sunday? Just pray the whole thing. You can just do all of Psalm 34 on Sundays. You can listen to it all these any way you want to do it. This is why I tell you all that. Because when we go to Psalms, it gives us the vocabulary to learn this relationship. It gives us the, you know, the understanding of how do we talk to God. And what I love about Psalms, we talked about it in forward class this morning, what I love about Psalms is there are Psalms that you read and you're like, oh, I don't know if you should have said that to God. That wasn't very nice. And the beauty of Psalms is, is there are times that when we are really honest, we say things to God that we probably shouldn't have said. But God's a big boy and he can handle it. And when we're mad, when we're angry, when we're rejoicing, when we're excited, when we're happy, all of those things are covered in Psalms. When I'm lost, when I'm hurt, when I'm lonely, it's all there. And so my goal or my hope for you is that you will just use this little card, stick it somewhere. We've got more back there on the information desk, I believe. If you just want extra to put one more than somewhere else, uh, if you want to have one in the bathroom and one in the car and one in the office, whatever you want to do. Uh, but my goal is, is to use these as a prayer for each of those days. To start your day and to just say, okay, this is what I'm doing today. This is what I've got going on. I've got this meeting. I've got to deal with this. God, how are you going to use that? And so when the guy shows up at work and he's had a bad day and he just wants to go off on the boss, we can ask the question, how do I see God's presence here? How do I live this psalm out in the midst of this conversation? Because guys, the most important relationship in your life is this one. spending time, living it out. But hearing from Paul and hearing Paul's incredible words, here's words. If you have been raised with Christ, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is. So, so where do we set our eyes? What are we, what are we supposed to be looking at? Paul says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is where? It's hidden. 
It's hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Then Paul goes through and does this incredible job. And Paul says, you know what, if if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're uncertain of, if I'm being too vague, let me be really, really clear. There are some things of this earth that you need to put to death because they're not a part of this relationship. There's some things you need to get rid of. You want to know what those things are? Put to death what uh, belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, but now do what? Put away all of the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you've been put off, since you've put off the old self with its practices and you have put on a new self. You are being renewed in the knowledge of the image of your creator. In Christ, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is what? All in He is the most important relationship. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, dearly beloved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance with another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, also forgive. Above all, put on love. Put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, which too you were created, or which you were called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through This morning, uh, as we close, kind of a couple things to think about. Slide this over just a bit. First off, there might be some of us who say, you know what, Pastor, I, I I haven't put this relationship as number one. There's a lot of other relationships in my life that I've put between me and this relationship with my God. And some of us just need to be able to pray and just say, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I thought I had the power to, to, to live my life the way I wanted to live. It, it's not there. I, I've had faith in you, but Lord, I, I have not been faithful to you. And Lord, I need to come to you today. I need to start on that new foot. To say, I want to be born from above to set my mind on the things that you have and the things that you are calling to. There are some of us as well that say, you know, I've never even started that relationship. And let me say this. It is the greatest relationship you could ever have. There is nothing more freeing, nothing more alive, nothing more than knowing that you are living the way that your creator designed you to live. 
And when God designed you, he created you for a purpose. He created you for life. And that was a life of worship and a life living with him. And and when we don't live that, we don't feel fulfilled. We don't feel a purpose. We don't feel the way that God created us to live because we're not living the way God created us to live. But God is calling us to say, this is what matters. And today, if you say, you know, pastor, I've never really lived that out, or even maybe I've said early on that I was born again, but I've never known what it was to be born from above, that it's an opportunity to pray a prayer and to say, Lord, I believe in you. You are a God who is above and beyond all that I could ever imagine. And I want to do more than just believe. I want to live it. I want you to transform me. A few weeks ago, I had somebody at church come up to me after the service and say that they had been looking at some videos online that bothered them about uh, the Trinity. And they said, I think we should, uh, they said, I don't want to tell you what to preach, but I think a series on the Trinity would be great. And so I started uh, researching and reading more books about the Trinity. And so in, I don't know if we're going to do it in a couple weeks. I got to figure out how much more seek first I want to do, but I'm really excited about the series about talking about the Trinity because I've never spent the time with it that I should. And the more I spend with it, the more I realize that it's about this relationship. To talk about the Trinity is to talk about a God who doesn't just want a relationship with me, but a God who is in relationship with himself. And that really the core of all life is relationship. A God who loves us, a God who cares for us, a God who calls us to relationship. So my hope and my prayer is that we can be people who say, I want to be a part of that relationship. Lord, come and move in my life. Today, Aaron's going to come and we're going to wrap up with a song. We're going to cross our fingers that the sound system's all going to cooperate. But as Aaron comes, my hope and my prayer is, is that wherever we find ourselves in this relationship, a need of restoration, a need of new birth, wherever we find ourselves, that we come to our God and to say, Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you in these relationships. One of the things that I tell people regularly, and I had a conversation uh, with a good friend this week, and I said it to him. I said, one of the things that I tell people is your faith, we sometimes say faith is private. Faith is not private. Faith is personal, but it's not private. And when we struggle with these things, when we make decisions, when we ask God to do something in our lives, that's something we need to talk about. We need to share, we need to celebrate, we need to be held accountable. So today, if you come and we pray and or if you pray in your seat, wherever that is, to use this as an opportunity to say, I need to work on this relationship, but to also know that I need to share that with somebody. I need to tell them about where I am and what I'm doing. Because this relationship changes all of these relationships. So today as we sing, I just invite you to stand. And if God's speaking to you, if you wanna come and just find a place to kneel, we won't come and crawl all over you and pray over you. Just find a place to say, Lord, I need this relationship to be first. Let us stand as we sing.